Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Uh, this is week three of <laughs> week two of our podcast. I just gave an extra one because there was a week zero, so it kind of threw mm, my brain off. That counts. No, this is three. Yeah. This is such a bad sign for my brain moving <laughs> forward. There have literally only been <laughs> two full episodes of this, and I already can't remember how many that were on, so this is solid work by me. Um, I'm sitting down. I'm Harrison, by the way. I, um, I'm the worship arts director here at Lake Forest. I'm sitting down for the first time on the podcast with Jeff Cook. What's up, dude? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. We, um, so Jeff, um, let's start, let's start this way. Um, what, give us like the basic, like one minute scoop of, uh, where you are from how you ended up at Lake Forest, what exactly it is that you do around these parts. That last one's going to be tricky. All right. Um, so I am from Jersey my whole life, 39 years till I moved down here. Uh, wound up here because we realized it was time to find whatever the gig was that was going to be the long-term dig-in roots. And so just kind of opened up the boundaries. And I literally just started Googling Christian Church, North Carolina, Christian Church, South Carolina, like just all the way around the coast. Mm-hmm. Um and ran across our website and found a statement that said, for people who have given up on church, but not on God, and it immediately felt like like my place. Mm. So I looked for an employment tab, happened to have a, a job that seemed like it would fit me, and just kind of applied. Um, and that whole thing just ran its course, and, and we've been here two and a half years now. That's awesome. At, the, at, the, uh, at our evening service, at the table service on Sunday night, just a couple of days ago, I compared that statement to my eight-year-old son who face-planted on his bike on a hill and yep. said, there are people who have been there when it comes to church, and it's good to know there's a place where uh, even if you have got a little bit of road rash, that you can get back up and, and feel like this is a place for you to start you know, figuring things out again. There are people, people who so. work for church that uh-huh. have face planted. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and it, it's nice to be in a spot where we can get back up. Okay. So what do you do here? So my official title is community pastor, um, but it's basically duties as assigned. So I could do a little bit of everything, a lot of pastoral care, a lot of group stuff, adult discipleship, classes, those kinds of things. Okay. Um, and then they let me talk every now and then. All right. Well, that works. Well, then let's get into it officially here with um, episode three what we do we do random facts from time to time here's a random fact about me it's so it's it's just dumb but like I have a really good memory for selective things like I remember the name of the the name of the official (laughs) in 2002 that threw a flag that made Miami not win the national championship the official that's how jacked up my brain is I can't remember that this is episode three. And if I ever am picking up my kids, you know, medicine or something from CVS, it takes me a full five seconds each time when they're like, okay, date of birth. I'm like, okay, which kid is this? Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, you know, selective, selective memory, but, um, all right. So we're continuing on through our season of Lent and, uh, Jeff just preached this last Sunday and he was talking about pride um, so we had a couple questions uh, that came in, and there are all, a couple extra things we wanted to ask Jeff as he's kind of taking charge on some some of the stuff that's leading us into Holy Week uh, 
here as we get ready for Easter in just a little bit. But um, question one, part of your teaching on Sunday, um, you talked about a, uh, you know, it's it's probably like top 10 or 15 famous Jesus stories. Um, and it was, it was Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, so as a, as a follow-up to that story, um, we had a question come in. Uh, why, why was it, as you told the story that you sensed the main thing that she was feeling in this interaction and, and the reason why she went to the well in, in the middle of the day away from everybody else is because of her pride. Um, why do you think it was that instead of her just feeling a great deal of shame as her role in her community and stuff? Sure. Uh, well, I think those two things get confused a lot. Uh, I think it actually was shame that she was feeling, but shame in and of itself is not a sin. And its root is pride. If you think about it, if there is no pride, there is no shame. And so the thing that actually drove her to feel the way she was feeling was the pride, even though it showed itself in a different way. Um, and anytime you talk about uh, the two stories we talked about, one with the, the Pharisee and then the Samaritan woman, I think most of us probably relate a little bit more with the Samaritan woman. Probably don't feel a whole lot of like, hey, I'm awesome. Uh, but when shame comes in, most people can identify with that feeling. I, I think that's because that's another leads into another question that we had. Um, I think the reason we don't relate as much to the Pharisee is because there's almost nobody that sees themselves as the Pharisee in any story or in or in their life, which is what makes pride such a difficult thing to see. So just as I don't know, as you life experience slash as you studied and prepared, you know, to give this message. What do you think it is about pride particularly that makes it so hard to see it in ourselves? Um, so I, I would say there's two things. One, it just feels good. Like if we're being honest, if I feel like I'm on top of my game and whatever it is I'm doing, I'm doing it well, I'm prepared, I'm killing it. That feels good. Uh, the other thing I think makes it particularly hard for us is, is our culture teaches us to strive for that. Like we're taught to accomplish things. We're taught to get the, the best education we can, the highest paying job we can, all of these things that lend themselves to this myth of self-sufficiency. Like I can somehow reach a point in life where I don't really need anyone or anything, and that's somehow the goal. Uh, and that actually goes contrary to what God teaches us. Like we're supposed to live in community with each other. We're supposed to be dependent on him. Uh, but, but pride flies in the face of all that. But everything around us kind of supports that feeling. So it's easy to not see it hmm. un until it creates something else like shame. Yeah, there was um, a guy, uh, a pastor, who was one of my mentors. And he's, he's as Southern a dude as it gets. And this is a very feels very Southern-ish saying to me. Uh, when he when he would talk about pride, it just in the nature of human beings of what makes it so hard, he said, uh, he said, Harrison, some people learn and some people got to get taught. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that has a lot to do with it. We're just the way that we're wired. And, you know, you see it. Um, you see it being a parent. I think I see it a lot where it's like, man, there's some things I can I can tell you 
a hundred times, but until you finally get to the point where you, your eyes get open and you see it for yourself, you're just not ever going to get it, which makes it tricky, you know? Yep. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, another one we had come in that, um, uh, a question of curiosity, cause there's, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole teaching I'm sure that could be done just about this or lecture or something. Um, but we hear a lot in stories in the new Testament that we hear, uh, as Jesus is teaching in parables, we see it come up as we see it in interactions with real people that there's this, like, there's this thing happening between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people where there's like this tension that happens and we, we hear a lot about it, but we had, uh, just a question of curiosity. What is kind of like the cliff notes version of what's up with these two people groups and why, why was there this tension or why? And the, it was mo- mainly the Jews looking down on the Samaritans, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what's interesting. So I get this question a lot because I'm, I'm actually Jewish. Um, and people get confused. So is Jewish an ethnicity or is it a religion? And, and the thing that makes us hard to understand because uh, we don't operate this way now, but but originally, like God's first people, the, the nation of Israel, the Jews, they were both. It was an ethnicity, and that relationship, that covenant between God and the Jewish people was just between God and the Jewish people. And so where you get Samaritans, where they come into this story, is Samaritans were actually, they were viewed as half-breeds, because it would be where, where people who were Jewish intermarried with other other nations, other ethnicities. And so they were actually sometimes looked even further down on than would be someone who is just entirely outside the nation of Israel. Uh, it's something that, that now, because of Jesus, because he is the way into relationship with God, we don't think like that anymore because we don't need to. But, but for the original God's people, it really was actually an ethnicity that God operated through so that he could open the door for everybody else. So what additional what additional power in your mind then does does it give to this particular interaction? I it because it so the way that I I kind of set this up often um, is first off watering holes which is where the Samaritan woman was going. Those were social gathering places. And so certainly that would be I mean that would be like the corner the corner brewery right? That would be where people went to hang and talk to one another. And so, so the fact that she goes there at noon hiding from people, it would be like going to a brewery at like two in the morning when hopefully nobody else <laughs> yeah. is around, right? So then you got this woman who we know from the story uh, is a Samaritan and, and is, is viewed much lower, uh, not of God, right? But we also know that her, her behavior kind of gave her a particular reputation. You know, she had five husbands, dude she's with now isn't even her husband and so she shows up and then she sees a Jew and not just a Jew but like a Jewish rabbi like a teacher yeah. of, of things uh, who had already been recorded speaks with great authority it would almost be like if you were to walk into the corner bar at two in the morning and see Mike Moses talking to a hooker at the bar that's what that scene would have looked like socially to people and it was completely outrageous and it's one of the things that Jesus did was break down people's stereotypes, break down people's walls so that they were forced to see God in a new way. 
which is what's so cool too, which, you know, this, this is probably, uh, top five known Jesus story for ranking. That'll be another episode ranking Jesus stories. That would not be interesting at all. Um, (laughs) but his, his parable of the good Samaritan, which is still like, even that verbiage like lives on now outside of like religious circles, being a good Samaritan to somebody, which is really interesting thinking about that through that lens, because this was a story he made up. Mm -hmm. So like it could have been any characters that he put into the scene to, to prove his point. But he made the good one the Samaritan, and he made the the bad ones like people that you would think should be the good guys of the story. Like yeah. if you're normally telling it, it'd be like, oh, and the and the rabbi who came by was moved with compassion. But the, it, it's so interesting thinking about how he he used those things, which we can't see as clearly now because we're not part of that culture, to kind of turn the the whole story upside down on people. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, cool, man. Well, that that's the that's the the stuff from the teaching. We want to move on and take a turn here, just for the last part of this, and look at Holy Week. As we mentioned when we started this podcast two episodes ago. Well done. Thank you, thank you. I should just go back and overdub, you know, at the beginning and pretend like I didn't say that, but too late now. Um, when we started this podcast, we we at this point are just experimenting and seeing what it's like, if this is a good way to connect um, with Lake Forest folks and particularly centering that around the season of Lent, which as we've mentioned is partnering along with our incredibly creatively named teaching series also called Lent. Mm -hmm. Um, So the culmination of Lent is Easter Easter Sunday particularly, and part of what we do as we um, are really leaning into this season is is letting the anticipation towards Easter build, and, and that is reaching its peak as we approach what's called Holy Week. So this is again like I I have I this is me this is this is me asking for for, for a representative of people like myself that. I have never even in I've been in ministry like at least like on a level of serving or doing something since I was like 13 and none of the this year will be the first Monday Thursday service mm-hmm. I have ever been a part of to the point where like that's the most I've even thought about what is Monday Thursday more than the name sounds funny. So here's here's like the here's the deal with Holy Week and I'll set it up and then I have some questions for you, Jeff, as we figure out what is Monday Thursday and how does that lead us toward Easter? Because Jeff's leading all that stuff. So the Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, which is uh, a, a way for us to remember Jesus entering into Jerusalem on a donkey and all the people on the sides have their palm branches and they're, they're waving them and stuff like that. Um, then you have, as I'm reading on this uh, the Episcopal Church's website, which seemed like a good source, Monday, uh, where we remember Jesus goes to the temple and throws out the money changers and flipping tables, yeah, flipping tables and getting all mad. Um, the holy righteous anger on Tuesday, Jesus uh, teaches in the temple to the Pharisees. He leads the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, 
on Wednesday, it says Wednesday thought to be a day of rest. And then we're really ramping up to the weekend here with Maundy Thursday, which is centered around the Passover supper. Um, so as it's, as it's, as you've experienced it, what is Maundy Thursday? What is the Seder dinner? And how does all that kind of prepare us for what it means for Easter Sunday? Sure. I, well, so I in particular love this because I've been celebrating Seders my entire life, just something that my family does. Um, and so I have this understanding up front of what a Seder is. But let me start with Monday Thursday. So Monday Thursday is a remembrance of, of what we would call the Last Supper. So every time we do communion, we say we remember the night that Jesus was betrayed when he gathered with his friends for a meal. That's a Passover meal that they're gathering for. Um, and so, so this is where he actually gives us the Eucharist or, or communion, which is this thing that we celebrate all the time. But what's interesting is knowing that it was a Passover Seder, you understand that the point of a Passover Seder is to remember the story of the Jews being freed from Egypt by God's power, right? That God is, is a God who is living and active in their lives. It's a remembrance of the covenant between God and the Jewish people. And the way that, that they go through that process, there's prayers that they pray and blessings they do, but is they actually eat things. They're eating things that are a remembrance of this covenant that God had with them. So when Jesus, at the Last Supper, pulls out the bread and, and goes to, to call it his own body and have them eat it, that would have been shocking to them because they're anticipating that he's going to be pulling out these, these regular elements. And so, so when he pours the cup and says, drink this, this is the new covenant in my blood, that's not just like some phrase they say. They actually heard this isn't just a covenant. This is an entirely new covenant. And so for those people, it was a game changer. So I'm not asking this knowing, knowing an answer. Um, I'm legitimately curious. What about this as you've experienced it? What, what makes Maundy Thursday and celebrating Passover in that way, what makes it different from all the other times that we as Christ followers remember um, and we take communion and we, we, we read the words that Jesus spoke at that Last Supper? What is it about this one particularly, if there's something that makes it stand out as different? I don't sure. Know. So it's, I, my answer would not be theological. It would be personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know every single day that he is risen. Like I know Jesus is alive and active. But on Easter Sunday, every single year chokes me up. Um, there's something about the way that God wired us as people that we like markers in our life. We like points where we can really narrow in on one thing and reflect on it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Maundy Thursday is that, uh, just in remembrance of this new covenant. Uh, but for me, there's also a piece of it where, where remembering that, it sets me up for Easter. It completely puts me in the posture that when Easter Sunday rolls around, I mean, I'm, I'm filled with joy like I'm not normally. Okay. Um, I learned something reading this that I'm not, if you, if you knew this already, Jeff, off the top of your brain, <clears throat> I would be impressed because this seems like a random fact about Monday Thursday, but I have discovered why it is called Monday Thursday. You ever dug into I, that before? No, okay. Oh, look at that. I get to reveal the thing this time. Nice. In, in the 
text of the Last Supper, Jesus, where Jesus tells his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. So uh, that phrase in Latin is called the mandatum, which Ooh. is the root of the word, word mandate, which has become shortened to mandi for mandatum, mandi Thursday, which is... So it's just a it's just a name. It's it's acknowledging that particular statement uh, mm-hmm. in in that narrative of him saying, "The new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you." That is the mandatum. That is Maundy Thursday. So what's interesting about that um, is, and, and we say this at the table service a lot, that when we observe communion, it is this opportunity to remember a covenant between God and us. But but we get to do it together because it reminds us of who we are to each other which fits in very nicely with, with that command. Holy Week continues on after Maundy Thursday into Good Friday, which is the day that we uh, remember the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Um, Saturday is typically a day of silence, reflection, fasting, uh, it's it's pretty common, actually, uh, as I've learned over the past years of being here at Lake Forest, that uh, very often, uh, as we spoke about fasting last week in the podcast, that from sundown on Good Friday to sunup on Easter Sunday morning, it's pretty common for people to comp- to fast during that stretch is kind of a way of sitting in the silent Saturday of, uh, between Good Friday and Easter. Um, and then we have Easter Sunday, which is the culmination, the celebration where we live into the kind of the richness of everything that we've experienced. So all that to say, um, Jeff is leading a Monday Thursday service this year. Mm-hmm. So we invite you guys to that. Um, it will be, what is the actual date? It'd be what? April... Seventh, yeah, yeah, yep. April seventh. Um, April. I think it's April 9th. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I was looking back from the wrong date. And and I would, yeah. if I could add quickly that so there will be actually be a Monday Thursday service. Um, I believe at six o'clock, and immediately following, we're actually going to have a seder. Um, and so That's right. the seder you'll have to register for because we need to know how many places to set. Um, and it will be an abbreviate. I mean, some seders are three hours. This will be an abbreviated one, but it'll be a chance for those that want to see what that looks like firsthand uh, to come and check it out. Excellent. Um, just as you're thinking about that week, also on uh, on April 10th, on Good Friday, um, there is a Good Friday service that's actually going to be held over uh, with our Westlake friends. So if you would like to um, experience that as well. And then we have all of our Easter stuff happening here. Uh, at Lake Forest Huntersville on Saturday evening and on Sunday. So we are we are already looking forward to um, the celebration of Easter with you guys. So I think that is about, um, that's about all we have today. Although I would like to point out um, one thing that's always interesting to me, that sitting here in our green room wearing headphones, I notice even more that like, it's so funny to me because the, the one word, that you say that I can tell you have a New Jersey accent on because you kill it on everything else. But when you when you say Harrison, <laughs> dude, you can't help it. It's like the most Jersey word that comes out of your mouth. You're like, hello, what's up, Harrison? 
<laughs> There's got to be something. It cracks me up every time. What's the most different thing about New Jersey life to North Carolina life? Um, in New Jersey, people thought I was a weirdo because I like to talk to people in the grocery line, like just have con- conversation with random strangers. And here it's perfectly normal. Up there, they always want to know, what's your angle? Where's my wallet? What's, yeah, right. what's happening? <laughs> uh, I... I, hopefully I was just doing a good thing, but I was on a field trip with my son the other day at a museum and this, I was so thrown off by the whole thing. Cause this, again, like it's normal here to have people just come up and talk to you. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes up and he's like, Hey, you play golf? <laughs> like out of nowhere. I'm like buying food at this museum. I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, do you want to buy some golf balls? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah. Um, you know, I need a couple bucks to buy lunch for my grandson. And I was just trying to sell it. He has a bag with him of golf. I'm like, I can't like, I'm on a field trip with kids. Like I can't carry golf balls around. Right, like right. I think I got conned out of $10. Cause I didn't, I just gave it to, I didn't take the golf balls. I'm like, I can't take those. He's like, you want me to put them in your car? I'm like, no, it's all right. Just, yeah, here's the keys. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pretend like I'm doing a nice thing and not like someone just angled me. He's probably from New Jersey. He probably is. Got to watch those people. I just solved it right there. It makes so much more sense now. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, Jeff, thanks for jumping in with us. We'll be back. Um, We'll be back next week uh, sitting back down with Pastor Mike once again. And that's it. We out. Peace out. See you.